Today's scripture is, comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 39, and it's verses 1 through 15. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time that he was put in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was in everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, with Joseph in charge, and he did not concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except for you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her servants and said, Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, before we get into the message, I want to talk briefly about a couple of things. Uh, Thursday evening, our church council met, and we decided to resume in-person worship starting February 14th. And like last fall, when we were open, uh, we're going to have, everybody's going to need to pre-register so we know how many people we can uh, accommodate here. Uh, you, you'll get a link to pre-register every Monday morning in your Faith Connect email. Uh, of course, masks, distancing will be required just like before. Uh, we are reopening uh, in-person worship just at the 9 o'clock hour for now. Uh, we will resume 1045 when we know we're going to have enough musicians and ushers and greeters to staff it. In the meantime, you parents who are bringing your kids to 1045 Sunday school, you are welcome to come into the worship center, even today, uh, and watch the recorded 9 o'clock service. We started offering that uh, last Sunday. So, in-person worship starts Valentine's Day. However, Ash Wednesday on February 17th, 
will not be in person. It will be online only. Uh, and that's because my arms aren't long enough to maintain social distance and do this, all right? <laughs> the other thing I want to share is a little story uh, um, about uh, the history of vaccines. Do you know what the first vaccine was? In 1796, British doctor Edward Jenner uh, found that by uh, infecting people with the very mild cowpox virus, it created immunity for those people from the deadly smallpox virus. And that's how they began vaccinating people. And they did that until they came up with a specific smallpox vaccine. In fact, the word vaccine comes from the Latin word voxa, which means cow. Isn't that kind of interesting? Now, now the smallpox vaccine, excuse me, the smallpox virus has been eradicated, so people are not routinely vaccinated for that anymore. So, the COVID vaccine is not the first vaccine. It certainly won't be the last vaccine. It's just one of several and once 80 to 85% of us get vaccinated, hopefully by the end of the summer, we may begin to see life turning back a little more normal. Let's pray. Lord God, have mercy on this world you have made and on us, humans that you have made in your image. You have anointed us to govern the earth with your wisdom, with your care, with love for our neighbors. Teach us your ways so that shalom, your peace, may be experienced by all. We pray through Jesus our King, who reigns forever. Amen. Well, as you kind of got a preview with uh, Miss Leah in the children's time, today we're looking at the life of Joseph from the first book of the Bible. Our sixth Sunday series is called Regular Joe a hard life with a guiding hand. And today we're going to see him uh, wrongly defamed, degraded, discredited. If this is your first time with us, I especially want to welcome you. Uh, we're honored that you're uh, checking us out. And uh, I would say don't worry about coming in midstream and mid-series because every, every message will stand alone. But, of course, if you do want to go back and watch previous messages and, or services, you can go to our website or our Faith Westwood app or our Facebook page. And what we're discovering in this series is that even though the last dozen or so chapters of Genesis is about this guy named Joseph and his faithfulness to God, the real story is about God and his faithfulness to Joseph and his family. Now, previously in, in Genesis chapter 17, uh, Joseph's ten older brothers, they hate him. They're so jealous of him that they sell him off to traitors headed to Egypt. And there Joseph is sold in, as a slave to a man named Potiphar. How would you feel if you were Joseph? Bitter with your brothers? Angry against God? Maybe Joseph feels that way some of the time, but if he does, he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay that way. Later on, uh, Joseph uh, has some power over his brothers, but even then, he does not try to get even with them. Instead, he looks back 
and he sees the guiding hand of God. His words at that point give us uh, our key verse for this entire series. Joseph says this to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Will you say that with me, even there at home? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So I would say, if you don't remember anything else from this series after it's over, I hope you'll remember this verse. I hope you'll find yourself speaking Joseph's words into your own life and seeing the guiding hand of God. Now, not only did Joseph's brothers intend to harm him, they actually do harm him. Um, These brothers of other mothers take him from the only home and family he's known, especially from his dear father and his little brother. His mother has already died. Now Joseph is living in a country where people are prejudiced against him. Egyptians consider Hebrews second class. They would never eat in the company of a Hebrew. Racism's not new, is it? So Joseph ends up as a slave in the home of Potiphar. Potiphar is Pharaoh's captain of the guard. We're not exactly sure what that means. I, I wonder if, if he's the head of security at the palace. Maybe. I imagine Potiphar's well paid, too. Maybe he has to be home, away from home a lot because of his job. And I would imagine that he owns a nice large house because we know he's got a bunch of, of slaves and servants to take care of everything. Now, even though Joseph is a slave um, and he's far from home, the writer of Genesis wants us to know that Joseph is not alone. Verse 2 starts out, the Lord was with Joseph. And then, of course, that phrase gets repeated uh, a couple more times in this chapter. When you've been harmed, when you've been treated unfairly, you might wonder, where is God? You might wonder if God has given up on you. But the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with you. And that leads us to our good news for today. Here it is. I cannot see past my current situation, but I trust that the Lord is with me, guiding me through my troubles. Look at that for a second. What do you think? Let's try it on for size, shall we? Will you say it with me? I cannot see past my current troubles, but I trust that the Lord is with me, guiding me through my troubles. You know, some days... My troubles may seem overwhelming, over the top, but I am leaning in to this kind of trust. The writer of Genesis looks back on Joseph's life and sees that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Now, one way that that the Lord prospers Joseph is that he doesn't fall into the role of hapless victim. He sets out to do his best, whatever his circumstances. Uh, Obviously, it's not right that he's forced into slavery. I mean, it's terrible. 
But that's where he is, and he makes the most of his situation. And the reason that, that Joseph prospers is not because he's the sharpest tool in the shed. The Bible says it's because the Lord is with him. You know, I can kind of identify with that. Whatever fruitfulness I've had as a pastor, it's not because I was the smartest kid in the class. I, I'm not the kind of speaker where, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people are going to tune every week to see what I want, have to say. I'm not the kind of visionary that has started a dozen churches and, or the kind of communicator that's written a dozen books. But I can tell you this. The Lord has been with me, and he has made all the difference. You know, even Potiphar could see that his fortunes changed for the better once Joseph showed up. And, and it seemed that it was about more than Joseph's managerial skills. Verses 3 and 4. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. I can hear Potiphar saying, Joseph, Joseph, my boy, this God of yours, Yahweh, that you pray to, he's been good to you. And because he's good to you, he's good to me. I think I'll keep you and your God around. And verse 5 adds this, from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was upon everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So, Joseph became God's conduit of blessing to Potiphar. With Joseph running his master's business, everything just keeps working out in Potiphar's favor. His staff performs at a high level. His gardens produce record crops. His bank accounts overflow. I mean, it would be like hiring Nick Saban to be your football coach. He just keeps bringing in the championships. No way you'd let him go. We got a few Alabamians in their church. I imagine they're cheering right now. The rest of us are jealous. But even Nick Saban could get fired, and it wouldn't take much. Even for a winner like him, one wrongly spoken word, one inappropriate text message, one scandalous photo could spell the end of his career. Joseph spends a few years uh, running operations for Potiphar. Joseph uh, then is probably in his mid-20s by now, eats well, works hard, has his mom's good looks, and somebody notices. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Maybe she was forced into an arranged marriage where there was little love. Maybe her, her husband seeks comfort with other women. Maybe she's bored because her husband's rarely home and the servants take care of everything. And remember, Joseph's got the same testosterone flowing through his veins as any other young man. So how does he respond? Let's look at verses 8 and 9. But he 
refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? One thing I like about Joseph is that he is ready with an answer. He doesn't flirt with her proposition. Joseph knows who he is. He has his answer ready. You know, I think that is a good idea for all of us. Know how you will respond before you're faced with a tempting proposal. Rehearse it in your mind. Picture the scene and play it out, what you'll say, what you'll do. Many years ago, I attended a conference at a large hotel, and I, I received a proposal, something like that, from a woman that I knew. And at the time, I have to confess, I didn't even realize what was happening. It wasn't until a few minutes later that I went, wait a minute. <laughs> Sometimes it pays to be clueless. <laughs> After that conference, Though I, I, I didn't know if anything like that would ever happen again, but, but I knew I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to have my answer rehearsed and ready like Joseph. Unfortunately for Joseph, Miss, Mrs. Potiphar does not relent. Day after day, she tr- keeps trying to coax him into her bedroom. Joseph maintains his distance. I can hear the music in the background. God bless you, please, Mrs. Potiphar. Heaven holds a place for those who pray. Hey, hey, hey. Now, Mrs. Potiphar is furious. She screams to the other servants to come to her defense, accusing Joseph of trying to take advantage of her. And when her husband comes home, she tells him the same story. Just so you know, I would never use the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife to cast doubt on a woman's report of sexual abuse. Yes, occasionally men are falsely accused, but the percentage must be very low. However, this story is about a young man falsely accused. But it's Potiphar who has all the power in this situation, so he puts Joseph in prison. Lock him up, throw away the king. And yet, what we find is that Joseph is not alone. Starting at the end of verse 20, it says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Isn't that surprising a little bit? He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Sometimes when life is unfair, We have to remind ourselves that the Lord is with us. Look at Joseph. He gets shipped to Egypt, sold as a slave, falsely accused, locked up in prison, and yet we keep hearing this refrain. The Lord was with him. I have some pastor friends who were forced to leave their churches by a few vocal critics These critics stirred up trouble, exaggerated problems, made false accusations. 
And, and though in each case the, the pastor was forced to leave, amazingly, they continued to believe that the Lord was with them. You know, we're, we're in the worst pandemic the world has seen in a century. And this winter may be the worst yet for our country. I expected that, that in the next uh, two or three days, Nebraska will pass the mark that 30 other two, 32 other states have already passed, and that is of one COVID death for every 1,000 residents. The worst state right now is New Jersey with one COVID death for every 427 residents. That's staggering, isn't it? Some days, COVID feels like a nightmare we can't wake up from. It's, it's hard to stay positive. It's hard to keep following precautions because we just get so tired of it. But I hold on to this, and I repeat it as my statement of faith. I cannot see past my current situation. But I trust that the Lord is with me, guiding me through my troubles. This church... Uh, closed in-person worship for six months at the beginning of the pandemic. Then we reopened for two months. Now we've been back to online only for the last couple of months. And you wonder, how can a church survive that? How can a church thrive and grow people into deep, daring, daily disciples when we can't even meet together face-to-face? And yet, I look back and I see that the pandemic has pushed us into live streaming. The pandemic has pushed us into learning how to do groups by Zoom. The pandemic has pushed us into learning a lot more about creating videos. The pandemic has pushed us into figuring out how to do at-home Sunday school and online after-worship conversations. What if we took all that we learned and used it to reach people who don't know Christ, who don't go to church, maybe even people who live far, far away from here. Could it be that God is opening a new door for us? I cannot see, oftentimes I cannot see beyond past my current situation, but I trust that the Lord is with me, guiding me through my troubles, What troubles are you in the middle of right now? Money troubles, family dysfunctions, school issues, work hassles, health problems. Who knows how it's all going to turn out, but whatever you are going through, you are not alone. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you through it all. Let's pray. Lord God, teach us how to respond to temptation. Remind us who we are as Jesus' people. And now as we pray in silence, I invite you to name before God a temptation that you face or one that you may face. Oh, Lord, we we ask, what will you want me to say? Give me the words.
And Lord, what can I do? What will you want me to do to remove myself from this temptation, this situation? Lord God, thank you for being with us right now. And now in the quiet of our hearts, I invite you to name before God some part of your life that is hard or troubling. now thank the Lord that you are not alone that he is with you oh God you are our companion and savior we trust in you guide us through our challenges our troubles and we we know we believe we trust that you will stay with us through it all. Jesus, we love you and pray in your mighty name. Amen.